and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Anna Rutberg. And I'm Casey Muratori. And today's movie, the second movie in a Casey favorite month, or not Casey, I guess it's a Casey, Casey Decides month. This happens to be a Casey favorite. Yes. The movie is I Heart Huckabees, directed yes. by David O. Russell. That's right. I feel like this movie is probably one of the best examples of, like, the difference in Anna and Casey's movie-watching preferences. And? And? Elaborate. Well, so I find this movie a real struggle to get through Mm -hmm. without... Like, like it's a, it's, I have to like constantly be like reminding myself to pay attention. Okay. It's that kind of movie for me. All right. I wouldn't say it's a bad movie necessarily. It's definitely one of those ones that I can just say it's not for me. Right. If that makes sense. And what, I mean, can you, the listeners at home, they don't know what that means necessarily. I mean, maybe some of them do because they've been listening to you for a while, but like what, so, you know, what makes a movie that Anna doesn't really think is bad, what is the part that makes it not Anna? Well, it, it almost feels like I can't have an opinion on it. <laughs> <'Cause I'm, laughs> All right. Because I'm like, it's so clearly just not for me. It's very talky, mm-hmm. right? It's yes. like all just characters talking, but it's so like high concept kind of where it's not actually about real emotion and real interactions and real characters. It's like... Yeah, it's a farce. It's well, it's not it's a farce and it's also like here's a bunch of different philosophical takes on existence and and like we kind of turn those into people. Exactly. But not in a way where the people feel like real people. They feel Correct. very clearly like a personified philosophy. And then having all them interact and yes. and I guess for me it's just like it's too high concept and not there's no real meat for me to get attached to like i just don't care about anything that's happening and because of that it's a real struggle for me to pay attention and it's like it's all listening too it's like i i tend to not be a great like listener to dialogue and especially when it's like there's a ton of it and this movie is all that it's only just people talking really yes and And there's a lot of it like every scene is dialogue dense Exactly. And that's really all there is to the movie, right? So for all of those same reasons, I love this movie. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think this movie is a great example of sort of what what I would say is the polar opposite of Lightyear, which we just watched. <laughs> so it is packed full of ideas in this movie. But it just doesn't have a story. It does. It's just a story about ideas, not about people. Right. Yeah. So the story in I Heard Huckabees is about how different kinds of pop psychology takes don't really work to make sense of the world because they're all kind of focusing on like one particular aspect of what life is like. And that in order to really kind of get it, you sort of have to chart your own path and figure out, like, wait, okay, there's there's a little bit of truth in religion. There's a little bit of truth in nihilism. There's a little bit of truth, right? And in, in existentialism and whatever, all of them have something that's probably kind of true. 
but none of them really capture the complexity of life. Well, right? I think the other the, the so this is also like the third time I think I've seen this movie. The first time I I just had no idea what I was watching. Yeah. And the second time I still felt like I had no idea what I was watching. Okay. This third time I actually felt like I kind of more understood what was happening. Like okay. I understood that these were like philosophies and yeah. that cuz like that's not clear on a first viewing at all to me. Like it, it's I, okay. I literally didn't understand what I was seeing that's like, fair. the first time. On first viewing I think that's true. I would I would put this m- movie exactly in the same bucket as Mulholland Drive for me, which is the first time I saw it I didn't really know if I liked it or not. I was like, hmm. hmm. The second time I saw it, I loved it. That's interesting. Same, same is true for Iron Huckabee's with me as was true for Mulholland Drive. So the first time I saw Mulholland Drive, I didn't have such glowing things to say about it. I was like, uh, That's hmm, interesting. I don't know. And the second time I saw Mulholland Drive, well, you, if you listened to that podcast, you heard what I thought of it. I had, you know, I think my one criticism was I thought it was a little slow maybe at the beginning. And everything else I had to say was glowing. I was like, this was great, That's and this was great, and there's so much yeah. to think about. And, and, and like, I really enjoyed coming up with my own kind of, like, take on the film. It was just all these great things that it gave your brain to think about. And the fact that I, you know, thought everyone could do that and you might come to different conclusions. It, it did that in the richest possible way, right? This movie is not quite the same in terms of its abstractness because this movie is a lot more concrete, Right. But it's still the same for me in that the first time I watched it, I was like, wait, what is going on? Because there's so much in it, it's hard to really get it the first time through. Yeah. But the second time through, I was like, oh, I love it. No, I really struggled with it the first and second time. And this time I I was probably slightly more engaged, like, because I kind of understood what it was doing. The one thing I kind of, in terms of, like, any sort of commentary it's making about philosophy or the kind of people who try to who try to like overanalyze their life and everything in it right mm-hmm. is how miserable they are and how m- they become more and more miserable like everyone else in this movie just like going on ab- about their lives like normal yes not thinking about things like yes. this but the people who are really like navel gazy and are trying to like find meaning some some greater meaning in their lives are the like the more and more they look into it the more and more miserable they are and the more their lives begin to fall apart well and i think that they this is why i think this movie is so great they capture so many aspects of that in one movie right you've got albert markovsky played perfectly by jason schwartzman i mean this was like the absolute perfect role for him coming off of rushmore where he did like the same basic kind of role but in a different slightly different context this was the perfect place for him to go because he's great in both of those movies. If you've never seen Rushmore, he's absolutely masterful in that. And in this one, he absolutely nails it again. You can see, like, he's this person who has a very, like, dedicated drive to do something. Like, he wants to save nature. But he doesn't really actually know why or if that's actually important And really, it's kind of wrapped up in his own self-ego. Like, he's not really saving the nature to save the nature. He's more saving nature for he wants to be someone who saves nature, right? And 
So you have this kind of self-importance thing where he's more concerned about his poems being in like the mailing of his nonprofit than he is about the nonprofit actually succeeding, well, which is exactly a real person. So when you say like there aren't real people in it, I would agree that well, these aren't supposed to be they're real. They're like parodies of real people. Exactly. But they all come from a real person who really well, the exists. Other, I mean, the, uh, the Mark Wahlberg character. Tommy Corn. He's like, I mean, you know, everyone knows a person yes, like do. him where it's like every every problem always is because of one thing. And everyone else is horrible for not recognizing that and taking immediate action. Yeah, yeah. So that's, exactly. it's a real person. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a lot of real people. Because yes. like this, this like really simplified view of the world, they've, and they're so certain of their rightness and their yes. righteousness. I, I mean, I get but every, it. Like, the, uh, don't forget Brad Stan, same thing. Somebody who's living a model life, but actually doesn't have, he's, he's not actually secure about it in reality. Like if someone pokes at it a little bit, he, it all falls apart. It's like a house of cards for him. Mm-hmm. He's not like the other people in the boardroom who are probably just actually fine with it, right? And then you have um, uh, Dawn, the model, mm-hmm. uh, again, played by Naomi Watts, same Mulholland Drive, from yeah. Mulholland yeah, Drive. Yeah. And she's like always been a little bit off on it. She's like never really been secure in the like unlike Brad, who was a little bit more able to maintain the facade. She's always felt a little bit like it was wrong. You could tell right from the beginning. It's not comfortable to her to be like basically a sex symbol and a, and a promotional like a, a fixture for Huckabees. It always sat a little bit wrong. And one of the things I really like about her portrayal, because she's a great actress. She really is. Um, She kind of gets – if you've watched this multiple times, you'll see. Right from the beginning, she's kind of like attracted to Tommy. In the very first time they see each other when he butts in when they're dancing together at Mancala Hour, Mm -hmm. she like – she acts – like really acts like she read the script. She knows what her character is about all the time. And you saw that in Mulholland Drive and you see it again here. There's mm-hmm. a reason why people want her in their films. I think it's because like she gets it all. And I think uh, I mean, what can I say? Everyone loves Mark Wahlberg as an actor. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true in this movie. He totally he goes so far above and beyond for this character, mm-hmm. he gets every little glance, every like wrinkle. He's just, it's, he's just, he is this guy. I think my, my favorite scene in the movie is the pasta dinner. Yes. That I think cause it's the, it's the only one that's like actually sort of engaging and riveting to me where I, I don't want to look away kind of. It's okay. the only scene where I feel that way. I think because you're having, you're having these guys interacting with people who are very typical. They have their own I mean, they're religious, right? So they have their own sort of philosophy, yes. but it's not as navel gazy and and self important. Right. It's it's just like yeah, this is you know, religion has been around forever, and it's sort of it's much more stable as a belief system. Yeah, they're just of. doing the standard thing. They're like right. we just they're do... not overthinking every right. every little thing. They're just yeah. sitting around eating their pasta dinner, and they're much more like concrete, right? He's like you know, he's talking about actual things in the real world. Yeah, that the implications of all the things they're talking about. Like, it's much more grounded. Well, and I love the characterization of the religious family, too, because they sort of, they, like everyone else, is the caricature version of the thing. They have all of the great caricature things for the religious family, too, because, again, 
everything gets a place in this movie. Like the 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 daughter goes, "We don't have have to ask questions like that, do we, mm-hmm. mom?" And she's like, "No, sweetie." Well, and there's it, one right, where they everything both, is the in one here. where they both they say yes and no. They're answering yes. the question at the exact same yes. time. Like, what happens in Field at Sunset? Everything, nothing, nothing, everything, yeah, nothing. nothing yeah. Right? Yeah. It's so good because they they don't let anyone off the hook here. Right. It's one of these movies that I think does a great job of not taking a point of view. It's not like, oh, the religion, religion is awful or, oh, philosophy is awful or existentialism is awful or nihilism is awful. Well, and also I think it, it does kind of the point of view it has, at least what I come away with, is that no, no one way of looking at things is correct. Yes. That the idea that you should have like a rigid belief system is probably sort of like a flawed idea. Well, there's a lot of ways you could interpret it because it doesn't come down that heavy handed, I would say. No. So one way you could interpret it is the way you just said. Another way you could interpret it is that everyone has to figure out their own path, meaning it's unclear when Albert Murkowski kind of has his revelation. He's looking at the picture of Brad Stan and he's Stan's stand. I don't know. I I didn't look at the spelling of Jude Law. He's looking at Jude Law and he sees that it's really the same hurt as him, like the pain is a connection to him rather than a thing that separates him. And he has this revelation that, like, there's more ways to look at this than the two ways that he's been exploring, right? And maybe that's a statement about that being true, but it could also just be a statement about that being true for him, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know whether, you know, there's a right interpretation of that. It could just be saying that it's that's true, period, or it could just be saying that's true for him. And the larger message is that we just need to explore and find. And I think the latter one is maybe a little bit more interesting, especially because the last scene is Tommy saying, is that where you get off the ride? And Albert says, no. He's like, I'm going to keep looking. Like, I'm going to keep. And so it's like, it's sort of like saying spiritual journeys are journeys. They don't have conclusions. Right, like, yes. Either you're someone who examines their life or you're not, and it's the examining of the life that's important, not that you are a religious person or I guess that you some, are a nihilist or that you are an existentialist. I guess in some ways, too, that's like, that maybe is, because like the character is searching for an answer, right? And it's he's, not about the answer. Right, well, he's, because the whole time he's like, I want to know about the coincidence. Like yes. he, He's like, he's so sure that if he just finds out about this one thing, that he'll understand everything. Yes. And I think, yeah, he comes to realize that uh, he will not really understand it that concretely, and he just has to kind of like keep searching, and that's kind of the point. Yes. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, the thing I think still. I mean, all this is interesting to talk about. I agree that the movie, if you're going to talk about it on that like higher level thing, is is interesting. I think the problem with the movie for me is just how inaccessible the movie is on a first or second or third viewing. Like most people will watch this movie once. And they will have no idea what was going on. I agree. And they will never return to it. And I think that's a problem because, I mean, maybe not. Maybe you're like, okay, look, this movie's for a certain type of person. And it's a not a, it's not for a broad audience because it's clearly not. I mean, yes. like, literally, I didn't even understand the first time I saw it. Yes. I didn't understand the basic, like, the, or the high concept. I didn't understand that these were, like, philosophies personified. Right. I just thought that I was trying to understand what these characters were as people. And it was it was I just couldn't. And, and it just ends up being really boring and and boring because you just can't find anything to connect with. Well, and 
you know, I think that's absolutely true about the movie uh, in one sense. I I never found it boring, but I think that's because I enjoy this kind of dialogue. So even on first watching, I enjoyed seeing the interactions. I mean, you have a fabulous cast. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you've got Jason Schwartzman, you've got Dustin Hoffman, you've got Lily Tomlin, you've got Mark Wahlberg, you've got Naomi Watts. I mean, it's it's really a remarkable cast, and I loved Watch oh and Isabel Hooper even who's a Law. French uh, actress and Jude Law Jude Law struggles with the accent unfortunately uh, it's the one a little bit yeah it's the one off part about this um, I think Naomi Watts is like Australian isn't she I have no maybe, idea maybe she's not because I thought she had an accent but I could be wrong I don't really know much about Naomi Watts but uh, Jude Law it's a little off he does a good performance uh, but it's just not quite there but still. Amazing cast, and I really liked watching them do these things. I love the scenes in this. I don't need to be invested in the overall thing to watch it. I love stuff like watching Jason Schwartzman breaking the head off the Shania Twain uh, stand-up, and he's like saying, I don't know who this man are, and she's pointing with Shania Twain's head, and Mark Wahlberg is like, we have a deadly petroleum crisis. Like, all of these, those cacophonous scenes are just like a delight for me. I love all of the like weird stuff that's going on, like when you know when the the lady from Italy comes and she's talking about how like there was no rabbit in the oven and we mashed locusts and made bread, and Mark Wahlberg's like, what does this have to do with petroleum? Like it's so good. They they have these characters who they establish as caricatures early, and then they're doing their caricature thing, which I find delightful in the hands of such good actors who keep making it be that way. Or Dustin Hoffman showing up and he's be like, Albert, the universe is a sphere whose you know radius is it's infinite like everywhere, like, and whose circumference is nowhere, or things like that. Or, you know, like whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. Exactly like BS pop psych stuff, right? And it's just, it's great, and I think they deliver it great. I mean, Dustin Hoffman was a great choice for that character. Lily Tom was a great choice for her character. Jason Schwartzman for his. It it just works great. And so I never had the boredom problem. I think it's a very engaging movie for people like me. I do think that it is not a movie that uh, is is accessible, like you say. And I think that it probably wouldn't be as great if it was, but that's still the movie's fault. I don't blame people. It's not like jazz where I think if, you, if you're not into I Heart Huckabees, it's your fault. It's like, no, it's the movie's well, fault. It's doing a specific thing, and it's not really making any accommodations well, for Which is anybody. why I said at the beginning of the podcast, I was like, I'm not going to say that this is a bad movie. I'm yeah. just going to say that this is not a movie for me. Because it, yes. it's, you know, not every movie has to be for everyone. It doesn't have to have a broad appeal. Right. That's totally fine. And I get that. And, 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 but, you know, when you see something, like, you can tell the difference, right? Like, you can tell when someone's do in this case of this movie, someone's doing something that's just not for you. And they're doing it well. And, you know, that's fine. Like, it's just not for me. It's just not my kind of movie. Especially, too, since I don't have a huge interest in philosophy and stuff. Like, I think this movie is probably funnier if you understand more about, like, what the different types of philosophy they're making fun of are, you know, and I can sort of with what they're talking about, get a sense of it. But I I kind of imagine that if you actually are interested in philosophy, this movie might actually be more fun. Um, 
Maybe. I'm not interested in philosophy. So I don't think it's a requirement or anything. But also I would say they're not, at least to me, they're not really portraying precise philosophies per se in other words like it wasn't like they were like okay this person is like literally Nietzsche kind of except just not with that name or something like that it's more of just sort of like okay we made some sort of philosophies kinds of things that kind of take generally from an area you know what I mean it doesn't they do a decent job of like stating what they're about right off the bat like each different philosophical sort of like stand center yeah, of like a person a general, like yeah right off the bat they'll kind of introduce themselves as like here's what i sort of stand for i loved it because like i feel like that personification worked so well in this movie for me dustin hoffman is this kind of like really spacey version of thinking through how you know are we connected are we all the same like is this one is the universe one functioning thing that means that we're all connected and all this stuff and he uses all these like positive affirmation things like put someone in your tree who sends you rays of unconditional acceptance right so he has this kind of very wishy-washy kind of new age like there's a lot of different things in there i don't i mean i don't read a ton of philosophy so maybe there is a particular person who's like right on the dial uh, there, but you know, I didn't. It didn't strike me as obviously some specific, tiny like section of philosophy. It kind of was more broad, and like I just love everything they do with that. Right? It's like he puts him in the little sensory deprivation thing, and like you know, he shows him this stupid blanket and what's you know where all the things of the blanket are. He has the the Magritte hat on his. <laughs> you know, it's just like. And then Lily Tomlin is like hyper focused on all of the details. Like if we just examine life precisely enough Mm -hmm. we will figure out what it means right then we've got isabel hoopert who's like this sort of like you know everything is about cruelty and like the human suffering is the the thing that is true about the world it's just like that is that is the universal truth and she's always just like you know catastrophizing and showing like how horrible people are like she literally likens the fact that like a Sudanese refugee with no family is similar to Albert because they both don't really have parents who care for them which is true but it's a really huge difference in magnitude right like but that's that philosophy that's what people really do in the real world all the time they do ridiculous stuff like that so I feel like they did a great job of showing those and Beyond just the fact that they were able to make interesting personifications of those people, the other thing I love about this film is that when we are seeing those different philosophies wrestle with each other or have transitions, the characters are physically present. Like, I love that. I love how, like, the existential detectives and Isabel Hooper come in and out and are placed in scenes relative to, like, what's happening in the scene. Right up till where at the end, when Albert unifies their philosophies for himself, they're all three of them there mm-hmm. looking at him together because that's what actually happened to him, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just feel like a ton of thought went into this film. I feel like they really just put a lot of effort into making all of these interesting things occur in the film 
for me to think about. And it's why every time I watch it, it's really just a joy. Uh, and there's probably things I haven't even noticed yet. I've never tried to pay close attention to, like, why is there a watermelon in that scene mm-hmm. that gets, like, knocked over or something? There might be real reasons for things like that I haven't gotten to yet because I'm busy thinking about other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I really – so I really enjoy all of that. And I think, yeah, every time I watch it, it's, like, this really engaging, fun thoughtscape for me. And and it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can understand that more, I think, on this viewing. It's still just, I think – it feels more like work to watch than than fun. You know, like for me, I like I like a movie to be something where I have like an emotional experience, right? And this is a this is not an emotional experience movie, right? This is like something you have to be like actively thinking about as like sort of a mental exercise. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think that's just not really what I'm looking for in a movie. Usually, yes. I'm I'm looking for more of like a emotional experience. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as as something interesting to like think about, sure. I think it's like good. I I mean, I enjoy I'm enjoying talking about it, right? Yeah. But I don't really enjoy watching it. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's it is probably one of the most perfect examples of of the difference. You know, we talk about it a lot on the podcast like how how we definitely view movies differently. I think this movie is like a great example of And we had some examples of the opposite, of, of the opposite <laughs> yeah. where it was like this movie is you know it's visual well, and like it's the Ter- emotional like, like the terrence malick like uh the yeah. red line or something like that where and i'm like yeah but it don't make no sense and it's like so we have seen the opposite example we haven't really watched many movies that are like this where exactly it's, it's very much flipped and i would agree i don't think this movie looks like bad or anything but Visually, there's not much there either. So it, I agree that it's it's not really about making deep emotional investments in the plights of the characters. It doesn't really do that because it's a farce and it's more removed. It's mm-hmm. like it's kind of looking at it from a distance. And it's not spectacular to, to watch. It's it's a much more simply shot film. It's basically just like, okay, we're just going to film the locations that mm-hmm. we have. Yeah. I think the characters are very interesting and they're set up. In the shots very well, but the shots themselves are not going to be winning any awards. It's interesting that you compared it to Mulholland Drive because honestly, like I had a very different experience with those two, the two movies. Like I, well, they're I, very different movies. I've only seen Mulholland Drive the one time, and I felt like I understood it. You know, you can't really ever understand Mulholland Drive completely, but like I felt like I, I had, I had like ideas about it. I, I had, I had like a mental sort of connection with the movie that I never had with this one. Well. And yeah, like I said, to be clear, I'm not. I wouldn't compare this and Mulholland Drive in terms of m- suggesting they were similar movies at all because they're not. I was just talking about the fact that they're some of the only movies that I felt like I had to watch twice before mm-hmm. I actually got into them. Well, I was just saying that that so, wasn't all. I was trying to yeah. say is that wasn't my experience. Yeah, yeah. It took me. I mean, literally. I think so. We actually watched I Heart Huckabee's for one of our like early test podcasts. Yes. Um, and that was, so that was my second time viewing it. And I think we started out the podcast by having me try to summarize the movie, like what had <laughs> happened. And it was like, I was like, I don't even know. Okay. And like, I really wasn't understanding it. Like, I really didn't get it. I really didn't get yeah, that these were like, not really people kind of like, and, and so I don't know. It's like, I'm borderline. Like, I, I kind of want to say that that's a criticism. But maybe not. Like, maybe it's just like, look, yeah. Because I'm like, maybe there was a way to, like, make it more clear to the viewer on a first viewing that, like, the type of movie you're kind of watching, like, that these people are 
are personified versions. But yeah, I, mean, I don't I'm not know. sure I how they could have done more than they did because they're... But it wasn't, it literally, like, I didn't get that Because it literally time. is a business card that says existential detective. Yeah, I mean, but I'm just like, okay, what is that? Like, that doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, I, that, I don't necessarily know that that means that they're basically not a real person. They're just like an idea. Okay. And like, Isabel Hooper just materializing in rooms. That's that's know? what I'm saying. It feels really weird. I'm like, I don't understand how <laughs> she's here right now. Do you know what I mean? And so, yeah. like, you're trying, I'm like trying to okay. watch it like it's a normal story and it's not. And so it ends up, that's why I say when you're just trying to, when you're coming at it, knowing nothing about it and you're yeah. trying to make sense of it, you can't because it doesn't make sense in that way. And so it, that ends up just. I mean, for me, it just makes it so I just want to, like, go look at my phone or something during it, right? Fair enough. That was not as bad this time because I, I at this point, on this viewing, I understood that they were ideas personified. So that makes it a little more interesting. But I'm just saying, like, I didn't know that at the—and it's just—it feels like total nonsense if you don't understand that. I guess— uh yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to necessarily have much perspective on it at this point, though, because I think I've seen it too many times. I mean, yeah. I, I saw this movie in the theater. Wow. So it's been 20 years, Something 15 like years. I don't remember when it came out. So it's been a long time since it's I first... It's 2004, so yeah. it's tw- almost okay. 20. It's 19 So 2004. Uh, so, you know, hard for me to say that maybe that's true, uh, but I, I, can't, I can't remember what I was actually thinking when I walked out of the theater, other than I know I didn't love the film. So I know that I didn't get it uh, the way that I feel like I get it now. I mean, get it's the wrong word. It's not like you can be right or wrong about this film. I'm just saying, but there, no, but, but I think whatever get it, I got out of it, I w- didn't get that time. I would actually say get it is the right word because the getting it would be like understanding the high concept of it. Right. Yes. Because I think many people will go into this movie, I mean, myself included, right. and not understand what the movie's actually doing. And I think that probably was true for me on the first viewing as well. Yeah. And I just don't know if, I don't know. I don't know if that means that maybe the movie failed a little bit because it... Well, the movie <sighs> failed in terms of, like, box office, certainly. No, I mean... For I, these reasons, meaning yes. the fact that it is too uh, sort of, uh, I guess, like intricate or opaque like whatever you want to say like there's there's too much um uh, you know meat and not enough crispy skin uh it, like well and it doesn't it doesn't help you get there like it it's a movie that really doesn't do it's like an unfrosted cake or whatever yeah, right like it it's like it, it does it, have a problem and and it doesn't offer the audience like any introduction to its it's how it's sort of working it's just drops you in yeah and like, I think a lot of people will just be confused as yeah, I was I, and, I, and then disengage. Confused, then quickly just not care anymore. And the problem that I see with a criticism of that nature, meaning I agree with that, but the reason that I wouldn't necessarily level it at the movie as something that's wrong, wrong, quote unquote, with the yeah. movie, is I don't know how you fix that without making this movie worse no, for the I, people who right. understand it. No, I totally agree. So I, that's, yeah. it's put in this nasty position of like, I don't know if this movie gets any more broad. I think it might just be one of those rare kinds of things where it's a perfect film for viewing multiple times for a specific type of person. And I'm really glad they made it. Could I see how to make this a more broadly appealing movie or a movie where you get it the first time? 
I don't know if you can do that yeah. without ruining the movie. So no, I know, maybe I know. you can, but I'm certainly not smart enough to do it. And, you know, I'm assuming David O. Russell and Jeff Baina weren't either, or they probably would have, because they're not trying to make a movie that's going to flop commercially. No one, no one in Hollywood ever does that. Um, but I think it just might be, it's a really great idea, I think, and a really amazingly well done screenplay and a really great acting and directing, I think, too. But for a thing... That is really effing niche. Yes, yes. Which is right? why I always I, I keep coming back to the thing of like, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. I'm just yeah. going to say it's not for me. Yeah, and I, and I think that's totally fair. And I think that that's probably true for a lot of people. Yes, uh, I would say the majority of people will not connect to this movie. Yes. At least on a first viewing. Uh, I definitely think if you're willing to engage with it more like... You know, it's sort of like a book you had to read in high school and were forced to write an essay on. (laughs) Like, then you can start to, like, get it. But it's that kind of thing where you have to, like, sit down and, like, kind of talk about it or think about it. In in some ways, this movie, to me, this is going to be a really weird comparison, but I'm going to draw it anyway. So, in some ways, this movie, to me, has a very... If I if I zoom out for the very like long distance view of this film, it has the same problem as the conversation, which is another one of my favorites, mm-hmm. which is that I don't really know what you do to make this movie better than it is. So I don't have a specific criticism of the movie. I, after the movie, have tremendously interesting thoughts about everything that's in it. But there are obvious flaws in terms of what happens when you watch the movie. I Heart Huckabees is way more of a joy to watch for me. I love re-watching I Heart Huckabees. Mm. The conversation is very slow, and there's parts that are just seem to drag quite a bit. So even I feel those. But they both seem to have this problem of, like, the movie is worth way more than, like, that surface-level flaw would imply at least for me and again i i don't know what to say about a movie than that about that other than i'm really glad they still exist because it's they're both unique experiences and i have unique thoughts about them that i don't get anywhere else and so you know i think sometimes unfortunately a director and a cast and whatever they're almost taking one for the team they make this thing and it's absolutely great and i love it but it's just not going to be a great film from the perspective of like audience accessibility. Audience accessibility. <laughs> yeah. It's it's never going to be Titanic or Star Wars or whatever it is. It's not going to. It can never be like a thing that's broadly appealing. It's just this smaller thing. Yep. But I still love them. Well, I still I, love them. I mean, I totally agree. I'm happy this movie exists. I'm happy that there was room. I mean, I don't know yeah. that. I don't know that this movie would super exist anymore. I mean, maybe, maybe. But, it was, I think it was a fairly cheap film yeah, at the I mean, time. It, it, I think a lot of these actors just, wanted, just wanted to be to, in it. Yeah. And David O. Russell had, I think, a bit of a reputation from what he had done previously. Yeah, I'm just He saying, did Three Kings, I think, before this. And I think he also did uh, Spanking the Monkey before this. So he, I think maybe he, like, people were interested in, in doing this. And so it wasn't, this was not a $50 yeah, million dollar and, movie, and I don't I think, think. That kind of thing still does get made. But I mean, I think especially as after watching Lightyear last week, where it's like these days, I think so many modern big movies are afraid to have an opinion or a point of view or or an idea and commit to it they just want to be 
They want everyone to like them. Well, and also the process of making the film seems to be more about following a recipe. Like, yeah. okay, we have to have these kinds of characters in it, and we have to have something in it yeah, for because children. You're, because you're and trying we need to, to make it exactly. accessible to as many people as possible. Yes. Whereas this movie, I Heart Huckabees, is like unconcerned with appeal. It's like, I, it, it's a, as a piece of art, right? It knows exactly what it wants to be and what it's trying to do. And yes. it's doing that thing. It is unconcerned with what the audience thinks of that. Like it's, it doesn't care yes, it that, di- that yes. you know, 60% of people who watch it will, will want to leave the theater. Like it doesn't care. A Disney movie is Applebee's or the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. It's just a place that has a crappy version of every food that's ever been made. Yes. It's like, it doesn't matter. What what did you want? Did you want a steak? Did you want, you know, like stir-fried noodles and soy sauce? Did you want whatever? I don't care. It's on the menu. It's going to be awful probably, but it's there. So, you know, if you're going to go to Applebee's, everyone can find something on the menu that is something like a thing they like, if not a great <laughs> version of it. It's at least... It's reminds edible. you it's of edible. that thing. It it's reminds e- <laughs> you of a steak, right? It reminds you of whatever. And so that's what they're doing. And that's a great, that's what a Disney movie is. We put on the menu something for everybody and we did none of them well. That's our, that's what we do here, right? This movie is the opposite. They're like the place in a back alley of Japan that's been making the same miso katsu for 50 years and that's all they have on the menu. It's just misokatsu. And if you don't like that, there's nothing to order. Like, there isn't another thing. Yeah, yeah. We don't also serve spaghetti and meatballs here, right? Yeah. And so this is that kind of movie, right? Yeah. It's that kind of movie, and there's a cost to doing that. Yeah. And it's probably harder to get those sorts of things made. But, yeah, when they do get made and they get made this well, I'm delighted because – you know, and I think I can appreciate it too when these sorts of things get made and, and they're not my kind of thing. I'm still happy for that too because I'm like somewhere, someone else who has a different brain space than me is getting this treat and I'm glad they got it. Yes. Right. I, I think maybe things like a gory slasher film that was really good, I'm never going to watch. I think of like, um, you know, the red letter media guys. I think of like Jay mm-hmm. and I'm like, this movie was a treat for Jay, and I'm really glad that someone made it, right? Yeah. I'm never going to enjoy this film, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's still great. Whereas Lightyear, I'm like, this was a complete waste of everyone's time and money. Yeah. This is just garbage, right? It's putting up yet another Applebee's that we just don't freaking need. Yep. I mean, I think, I mean, I think that's basically it. I don't think there's much more to say, really, is there? I don't think so. I mean, I could go into detail on any scene of this movie, but I think I've already just I'll just leave you with the fact that I love every scene of I Heart Huckabees and I could talk about what I think is so much fun about every scene, whether it's Albert Markovsky breaking off mid-sentence to talk into the the bug that's been placed at his office workplace to communicate with the detective who's outside, or if it's like the ridiculous, like, pantomimed version of Tommy Korn and, uh, and Dawn falling in love at the fire while she's in the bonnet and he's in his fireman's outfit and they're both dying of smoke inhalation. And her description of it afterwards, which is like, and, we, and he almost died because we both want the same things and he likes the bonnet. It's 
There's so much great stuff in every scene. I love Albert and Tommy fighting in the elevator and smushing the old lady up against the other old lady in the thing. I love that Shania Twain gets mad about the fact that Brad doesn't understand marsh ecosystems because it's like she was supposed to be this vapid person who's just there for like, she's some pop star, doesn't know, but she actually really cared about the marsh in the woods. It's just everything in this movie someone thought about. And they never just crapped a scene out, right? It was never like the Lightyear thing where people are yelling lines of dialogue that don't even make sense. It's like, no, every line makes sense in this movie. And someone actually took the time to think about it. And to me, that was just a delight. So, yeah, nothing more to say about the movie except I have tons more I could say about the yeah. movie. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's that's I Heart Huckabee's. Next week's going to be What's Eating, What's eating Gilbert, Gilbert Grape. Grape. What's Eating Gilbert Grape is an absolute treasure of a film. One of my one of my favorites, probably in my top five. And uh, this is one where you, I refuse to accept the complaint that there are not emotional characters. Oh, no, in not in this one. Not so in this one. This one is, <laughs> is a lot like I Heart Huckabee's in the sense that it's a, it's a very well thought through, complex movie with a lot of thoughts well but it, it has a lot of emotional it has a lot of heart, heart it has so. a lot of heart so so we'll we'll uh, be back next friday with what's eating gilbert grape and we will tell you what was eating gilbert grape that's right okay thanks for watching every well listening everybody <laughs> bye bye <laughs>